0: In my wrestling and you won't let go in the questions your truth will hold. in my troubled sea you are my light my lighthouse my lighthouse shining through the darkness i will follow you oh my lighthouse my lighthouse i will trust the promise you will carry me safe to shore sure oh say to sure oh to sure oh to sure
1: thank you amen praise the lord and welcome on this first day of October, it's hard to believe. September just breezed right on by, and hold on, just a few days because supposedly wet and cooler weather is on the way, and we will we will rejoice. Um, it probably won't be till the middle of December before I even think about breaking out sweaters, but we're um, but we're at least looking towards a change, and so we are grateful for that. It's wonderful to to have you joining us this morning. Welcome to Cross Timber. We uh, we hope you have. Come here with the expectation that you will experience the presence of the Lord, and we hope that we have the opportunity to experience the Lord's presence along with you, whether you're listening on the the live stream or you're sitting here in front of us, whether you're visiting for the very first time or whether you're here um, more times than you could probably even count or even remember. Um, We are thankful that you've joined with us as we sing, as we pray, as we study God's word together. I um, want to give you the heads up just so you can turn there if you want to find out your Bibles. We will be reading from Isaiah chapter 61 in a few moments after we, we sing a few songs. So if you want to find your place there. And then also, if you did get a bulletin and you saw one of the little tan cards in there, it's a great way to connect with us. If you want to share information, ask questions, um, submit prayer requests, you can just jot it down on a little tan card, and then our um, deacons will be passing around the offering plate couple of moments and you can just place that in the offering plate and it'll go to the church office. If you do share a prayer request, just please let us know if it's okay to share that over email. Um, We want to be sensitive to your privacy, but also we want to have as many people praying as possible. So if it's okay, just mark that on there. Again, I want to welcome you to Cross Timber um, and just invite you to join in with the singing as we continue to worship the Lord this morning.
0: Would you stand and sing with us? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me But now am found Was blind But now I see T'was grace That taught my Heart to fear And grace My fears relieved How precious Did that Grace appear The hour And when
1: Lift up our voices in worship to the one who is mighty to save. Let's let the words of Isaiah the prophet um, remind us of the, the wonder and the beauty of the gospel and the mission that our Lord Jesus came to inaugurate and will see through to completion. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of Mourning the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vinedressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts. And his garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. It's the word of the Lord. Gentlemen, will you come? If you'll pray for me, pray for me and pray with me. Our dear most gracious heavenly Father, as we come to your house to worship you and give you all the honor and praise and glory that you deserve, we come also to thank you for giving us your Son who died on the cross for our sins and who is with us every day from day to day through our joys and through our sorrows and through our triumphs and our defeats. And Lord, we come today just to give back a little bit and tithes and offerings. So please accept these gifts that we give in your name and in your son's name, Jesus the Christ. Amen.
0: John. That won't run dry. Hide under the shadow of the Almighty God. May dwell in the presence of the Most High Almighty God, the singer who placed the stars. Oh <laughs> i <laughs> you
1: I'll just bear with me for a moment. I maybe should have brought a backpack with me to haul, carry all my stuff. Install a cup holder over there might be a not bad idea either. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4 as we round out what we've been looking at for um, the month of September. Let's build over into this first day of October just around the idea that we are the church. And you remember way back to the first of September, first week, we looked at what grace was. And we had some folks share testimonies. We looked at who is my neighbor. And we had testimonies of those that were neighbors in the places where they were. We looked at purpose. What's my purpose? We looked at who our family was. And we heard some heartfelt testimonies about the meaning of a church family. And today we come to what is our focus? Focus is a very important word. Um, I was just thinking just a few minutes ago, I haven't given you the opportunity to have a Finn update. Um, Finn is our rescue pup. Um, he is progressing wonderfully. Um, we like to say there's two words that we use. Um, we use the word fantastic, um, and he's full of finnergy. Um, we were told that the shelter that Finn is we this is This is dangerous, well, his mother was part terrier. what we 're trying to figure out is what his dad was part because we're kind of leaning on the ideas that he might have been a coyote um, or maybe even a dingo and so um but he is actually doing well. but I mention that because there are two things that Finn has a laser beam focus for number one is Deborah. Um, He loves Deborah. Anytime Deborah makes an appearance out of a door, it doesn't matter. He drops his toys. He just runs to her immediately and showers her with love. Um, The other thing is our ice machine. Beep. He drops everything. He runs, and he sits at perfect attention at the ice machine for a piece of ice. And Samara is his ice friend. She gives him ice every time, and he'll just sit there, just perfectly still until she drops the ice for him. And I say that so that we can understand that even an eight-month-old puppy has the ability to focus on what's important. We, as adults, older adults, younger adults, have the same ability to focus on what's important. And so whether you think you have a focus problem or not, remember this, you will focus on what you value and you will focus on what is Important, And today we're going to look at, as we look at the story of Jesus going to the, His hometown synagogue in Nazareth, the idea of everything in focus. And here's the main thought. With Jesus, When Jesus is the focus, His priorities, passion and power, set the focus of everything in life. Another way we could say that is when you have Jesus in the right perspective, everything else in life will take care of itself. I want us to read from Luke chapter 4. We're going to read just this, most of the account of Jesus going back to his hometown. And then we'll pause and pray. And we're going to look at three things that we can see about how focus affects our relationship with Jesus and carrying out his plans and purposes right here where we live. So we pick up the story, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. He's been ministered to of the angels. And verse 16 says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Lord, we are grateful for the privilege we have to hear songs of praise lifted up to you. Lord, we're thankful for the gift of your word that you have preserved through the centuries that has stood the test of time. We thank you that it's faithful and that it's true because you are faithful and true. We thank you that while there are many things in life that are constant and changing, that you never change, and that your word never changes. It's timeless, and it's true, and it's living. And so, Lord, by your spirit, through your living word, speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to see the things we need to see. Help us to place everything in the right focus by focusing first on Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks for that. We trust in what you'll do, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I want us to notice three things this morning. There's an outline in your bulletin that will help you follow through these things, and just because um, I did learn some things when I took preaching, um, but that doesn't mean I always followed the things that I learned in preaching. And so I've just read a scripture in Luke, but I want you to turn first to the book of Hebrews. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, because what we want to see first is that focus determines the direction. Now let me help you there. A few weeks ago, Samara was doing her apologia homeschool biology, and we got to scoop some pond water out of our pond and place some some rice, some straw, some dirt, and part of an egg yolk in them and observe what grew after a couple of weeks. And we got the privilege of using a microscope. not a very good microscope person. But the instruction said the first thing you need to do is to find something large that you can get in focus and focus it in. So that could be like a piece of the straw or maybe a piece of dirt. And then after that's in focus, then you can begin to move the slide around and find other smaller things. And so once you got the big item in focus, then the other things were easier to find in principle. Probably I needed a higher quality microscope. But I want us to see from that is that when we get Jesus in the right perspective, or as the writer of Hebrews would tell us, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, as the NIV says, then the things of this world Will come into focus and we will have the right perspective. Now listen to this. You're going to see that on the screen, um, somewhere along the way. One more. One more. Hebrews 12, 2. This is in the NIV, and I don't have an NIV in front of me, but it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith, for the joy set before him, he him him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, fixing our eyes on him. Jesus bringing something in to focus. Now, the way this word is is structured, it means to look away from everything else and to look on something intently. It means, you know, to, to be able to eliminate distractions and to have a laser beam focus of vision on one thing. It's the idea of having a focused attention on something without distraction. To lock in on a target. And the call there is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we go through the New Testament, we find that those that fix their eyes on Jesus, that looked to Him, found salvation. They found healing. They found rest. And that continuing on, looking to Jesus in our daily life, also helps us to experience victory in Jesus on a daily basis. And also keeping our eyes on Jesus and not looking at all the junk around us, helps to bring hope and certainty into our life. And if you really think about it, everything comes back to Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on Him. We follow those directives that Paul gives us in his his letters to put on Christ, to walk in Christ, that He is Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that it's Christ living through you. And so when we get Jesus in the right place, then Everything else follows suit. Major Ian Thomas, British founder of the Lamplighters Ministry, says this. The Christian life is simply this. It's the life that Jesus lived back then, lived now by Him in you. It's Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, Christ in you. And what Jesus came to do on earth, He now wants to do through you. We looked at a few weeks ago the fact that He makes us for a purpose. Everybody was created purposely, crafted by God. We're His handiwork. And He saves us so that we can be on purpose for Him. We can be miracles of His grace. So when God works in a life and transforms the heart of someone, then it's His grace on display. That everyone can look around and see because... It's the joy of His salvation, the hope that He brings it, that shines out His glory in our lives. And as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we focus on Him, over time, His focus becomes more, our focus becomes more like His. We start to realize hope. We start to see who are identify it. Identity is. It's in the person of Christ and that identity is verified. It's so important in these days when there's so much question about identity that we find identity in in Christ. We find purpose in Christ. We find meaning in Christ. Because the right focus can make all the difference. 2004, Athens Olympics. Marksman Matthew Emmons had an insurmountable lead. He only had one shot remaining that stood between him and the gold medal. He did what he'd done every other time. He took a deep breath, quietened his heart rate. He aimed, he fired, and he watched the bullet hit the center of the target. There's only one problem. He aimed at the wrong target. He said afterwards, I didn't look at the number above the target before that last shot. It was my mistake. And a certain gold medal was lost, and he fell all the way to eighth place. Because you see, the right focus makes all the difference. And when we focus on Jesus, He helps us to find the right target. Because the second thing we see is that focus defines the the target. Without a doubt, the most purposeful, focused person that ever lived was the Lord Jesus. You know, as we think about what we read in Luke chapter 4, based on the idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus, what we see is that we have the perfect example of someone who is always at every moment in focus. Now as you look at Luke chapter 4, you know, we we have this beginning of Jesus' ministry on the earth. It's prepared. The way is prepared by John the Baptist. John baptizes Jesus. We hear the proclamation from heaven. The Lord speaks, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus is taken away by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. Overcomes every temptation by the power of God's Word, and then where we begin reading, we find Him coming back to Galilee, specifically His hometown of Nazareth. Now, word about Him had spread, Luke writes, and He taught in all of the synagogues, and on this day in Nazareth, on the Sabbath, He finds His place, as He often did, was His regular habit in the synagogue, at the synagogue meeting. Those individual places set up for Hebrew worship where at least ten men gathered where they would recite the Shema, Hear, O Israel. They would pray. They would read from the Law of Moses called the Torah. They would read from the the prophets. And then the teacher, the rabbi there, who always stood to read and sat down to teach, and I apologize, I don't have... I'm not in a seating position. But he would stand to read, he would sit to teach, and they would close with a blessing. And so it's in Nazareth, on the Sabbath, Jesus is in the synagogue, the one who's the son of Mary and Joseph the carpenter, and verse 16 tells us that he's there, and he stands up, and he reads. Now, if you read on through the rest of chapter 4, you'll find out that what Jesus read and the words he spoke astounded some people, it angered other people, but it announced His ministry and His mission here on earth. Now, your mind may rush forward to our current day and think about you know, when someone is announcing the launch of a ministry or a new business. What is there? There's, there's press conferences. There's this launch event. They want the whole world to know. But Jesus goes to His hometown, a place where He, by His own admission, says, a place where a prophet's not accepted. And he announces his ministry by standing and reading. No famous people were present. No media members were there, but the hometown boy Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, proclaims the coming of good news for anyone who would listen and all who would believe. And the attendant there at the synagogue gives Jesus the scroll. It just happens to be the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet. And it says Jesus found His place. So He enrolled it. He found where He wanted to read. And the place that He read from is where we read from earlier, Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now if you read footnotes in your Bible or you're you're sharp, you'll realize that part of that message is found a few chapters earlier in Isaiah 58, verse 6. But it's mingled there together by Jesus in this declaration of His ministry. Saying that He is the one who is the promised Messiah from God in the power of the Spirit. And after he finishes reading, it says he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And you notice all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So there's no doubt, as we read Luke's account, that Jesus has everyone's attention. He read, now he sat, and they're wondering, because that sitting position is a teaching position, what would he say? His message is very short. In fact, it's nine words in English. Verse 21, He began to say to them, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If you read some modern translations, it will give you insight and just basically say, Today, this Scripture came true, and the reason it came true is because Jesus is here, and He is that Messiah, the Deliverer, the King, that the promises that were made, the prophecies that were given, have been fulfilled because Jesus is here in a synagogue in Nazareth, proclaiming his mission. Could you just imagine, you know, the stir that that would cause? Jesus, the boy they'd seen grow up, who now comes and reads in a synagogue. Some would that have that faithful, longing heart, would undoubtedly leap for joy, hopeful that this was true, He was the Messiah. Others who were just so caught up in the bondage of religion would have become angry as we read later. But He announces His mission, the mission that His name speaks of. Jesus, God, is salvation. The One who is called the Christ, who is the promised Messiah. And His words make it very clear. There is no doubt what His goal was. And you see these things in verses 18 and 19, that He was anointed by God and He was full of the Spirit. Now, Jesus was and always will be God's Son. He was and always has been filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we find that on earth He always depended on Spirit. So he listened to his father. He always did what his father told him to do, and he was dependent on the power of the Spirit. And in this anointing, in this Holy Spirit power, he mentions four things. The first is to proclaim or preach the good news to the poor, to tell the truth that leads to eternal life. And he's directed that toward the poor. Now, our minds immediately rush to those who are monetarily challenged, whose bank accounts don't meet their needs. But when he speaks of the poor here, while our mind runs toward those who are monetarily in need, he is speaking about a deeper need, those who have a spiritual need. But in either picture, we see it's an idea of those who have a great need or a great dependence on God. Remember when the Gospels tell us that Jesus looked out on the people, the crowd, and He had compassion? And how the writer describes it, that they were harassed and helpless like sheep with no shepherd. It's a picture of those who the world would often mistreat or forget about or wish they could forget about. But on the other hand, it's the ones that Jesus misses the most. Now, I was taught at an early age that you couldn't bring toys to church, um, but I brought 99 toys right here. I have 99 colorful ping pong balls. And I want you to think about this, you know, because Jesus, we find that the Bible tells us that Jesus gave the illustration of a shepherd who would leave. The ninety-nine and go after the one. Now, the one is not lost. The one's right here, wrapped in a paper, in a, in a paper towel, because I colored him with a with a sharpie, and it still probably wants to turn my fingers black. But you have ninety-nine sheep in the bag or in the fold, and you have one lost sheep. And it's those who are poor in spirit, those who are in desperate need that Jesus goes and runs after the ones that he misses the most now i want you to think about this because i don't want you to consider yourself you know a, a ping pong ball in the bag i want you to consider the, yourself that you were at one time if you're apart from Jesus you were like this sheep if you want to let me call it a sheep you were you were lost you were apart but because of God's grace, His work of mercy in your life, He brought you near, and now you are in the family. It's those who are poor in spirit who are blessed, Jesus said. Why? Because they have a humility. They recognize they don't have it all together. They're sensitive to what God may be wanting to do. Find it interesting that you find in around the world, it's the places where, where God is... Doing the most, where Jesus is saving the most people, it's in the place where there is a total desperation, where people have nothing to depend on except Jesus. And you wonder, you know, why in the Western world we have such a hard time, it's because we find too many other things that we try to depend on. But when you've got nothing else, then you are hungry. And they're responsive, they're willing to, to trust. And as one writer said, Anyone who has need of, for anyone who has need of God, Jesus has a message of good news waiting. But He's not only the messenger, He's also the source of eternal life. He Himself is eternal life. John, who wrote John 3, 3.16, also wrote 1 John 4, verse 9. God's love among us was revealed among, was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. So He came to proclaim that good news, but He also came to proclaim liberty or freedom to captives. He came to proclaim freedom from what holds individuals prisoner. Spiritual bondage. Chains of addiction. The debt of sin. Scott Heiberger, who I quoted a few weeks ago, who has behind-the-wire ministry, says this, there's an invisible prison that holds many in its grip. And the only way out is through Jesus. But we find that freedom because Jesus Himself said, if the Son sets you free, you're free in So salvation, new life, freedom, recovery of sight to the blind. Now, we can read through the stories, and we know that Jesus restored physical sight to some. It's miraculous. It's even kind of gross when you think about spitting in mud and rubbing it on people's eyes on those occasions. But how even more miraculous is it that Jesus is able to open up spiritually blind eyes? Because as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So before you came to know Jesus or before someone comes to know Jesus, they are spiritually blind. It's just like in the words of Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. How do you see? Not because you open your own eyes. It's because God opened your your eyes. And so it's only Jesus that can cure spiritual blindness to help eyes see the truth, to help eyes see the love of God, to see hope is available, to see salvation in this person of Jesus. And it gets better. Because you add on top of that, that He came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, we think about oppressed and usually think about somebody you know, putting pressure on someone and they feel, you know, outcast, they feel neglected. The word literally in the language means to shatter or to break in pieces like you would pottery. Now I hope you see that this really is a beautiful picture because those who are oppressed, think about it, it's people like you and me who who are broken by sin and the sinfulness around us. And that Jesus, who came to bind up broken hearts and mend shattered lives, puts us back together. I know better than trying to pronounce um, foreign words. Um, I even typed it out, um, and anybody in the Qualls family can correct me later. But I was reading about the Japanese art of kintsugi. It's a very interesting thing. It's the process of repairing something like a a pot or a piece of porcelain that's been broken, but they repair it with gold. And so they take the pieces together, they put the pieces back together, and they don't use Elmer's glue, they use gold. And if there's a part missing, you know what they do? They just fill it in with the gold. And the understanding is, is that the object is now more beautiful than it was before it was broken. Why? Because there's gold shining in the cracks. There's gold filling in the voids and the missing places. And what a beautiful picture that is. When Jesus puts lives and families back together, there's still bumps and bruises. There's still cracks, fractures, but it's His love and His grace, not gold that shines through the cracks, and His hope fills in the voids that are left by hurt. Another way to think about this is lyrics from a song, it's Andrew Peterson's song, We Will Survive. Someday they're going to lay, the truth's going to lay us bare, we're going to raise a glass to the past and say, it's only when the straight lines break and heals a little crooked that you ever see the grace. We came to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to put back together the brokenness, to fill in the gaps with love and grace. But then his last statement is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, if we were Jewish and we were living in the first century, when he said the year of the Lord's favor, our minds would immediately go back to the idea that you read about in Leviticus chapter 25, the year of jubilee. That after seven sets of seven years, that there was a 50th year in Israel when property was returned to the original inheritors. Debts were canceled, slaves were set free, and it was a wonderful time that the Priests would blow the shofar to celebrate freedom and forgiveness. Theologian songwriter Michael Card records it this way and probably describes it better than we could read about it and understand. The Lord provided for a time for the slaves to be set free, for the debts to all be canceled so His chosen one could see. His deep desire was for forgiveness. He longed to see their liberty. And his yearning was embodied in the year of Jubilee. 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 Jesus is our Jubilee. Debt's forgiven. Slaves set free. Jesus is our Jubilee. See, all of those things. Freedom. Restoration. Healing. All pictured in that year of Jubilee are found in the person of Jesus. That was... His mission. That was his goal to seek out and save that which was lost. And when we focus on Jesus, his mission becomes our mission. Because focus also drives actions. Think about this what you place your attention on affects what you do. Think about athletes in training. If their goal is to run a particular distance, everything in their life is centered around getting ready to run that distance. The food they eat, the training they do, the rest they get. Think about a woman who's starting out a new business. They develop the business plan. They develop the marketing strategy. They raise the capital. They have the product, and everything is about that business. Think about a young man who is in love. All of a sudden, that focus is all about And in our lives, what we focus on sets our priorities, motivates our actions. And the words of Jesus are oh so true, aren't they? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so, don't you see when you get the focus in the right place, when the focus is Jesus first, then his focus becomes ours and. His ministry begins to become our priority. And we've looked at it earlier, but what was His priority? What was His main focus? He declared things like this. I must be about my Father's business. I came to do the will of the One who sent me. I came to seek and save that which was lost. My purpose is to bring glory to my Father." He lived to set people free, to bring new life. And He came to bring real and lasting hope to hurting people. Now how does that transfer to us? None of us are Jesus and never will be Jesus. But we claim to be His followers if we put our trust in Him. Then our job is to carry on His mission as His church, as members of His body. How can we do that? Be our focus, offering the hope of Jesus to hurting people. Now we can't save, we can't fix, we can't mend, but by goodness, we can point people to the One who can, right? We can bring people to Jesus. We can share the truth. Now you might think, well, wait a minute. You know, our our mission is the Great Commission. Well, I'm going to agree because that's true. Every church that ever exists that follows the Bible and the truth of Scripture, the, the mission you could put on the church sign is to you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But as you see in different cultures, different contexts, different places, even here around our Burleson, Joshua, Crowley area, there are many different ways for us to go and make disciples. Which means the way Kevin goes out into the world and and shares the hope of Jesus would look very different than than the way I would. You know, the way that um, a young adult at school would do it would look very much different than a retired person. And so that's where focus comes into play. There's a whole world of people around us. And Jesus gave that direction that we start where we're at. We start in... In the place we're at, we start in Jerusalem, we go to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, if you begin thinking of that in the process, you know, how in the world does cross timber begin to meet the needs of the community that is around us? And they are many. There's so many things, there's so many hurts, there's so many ways that we could help. Maybe we should help some places we maybe are already helping. And so we have to think about that. What are the needs that are around us? And then we look at who we are. Who's here? And what has God gifted us with? So we looked at purpose. Who am am I? Why am I here? What does God have for me? And then we we use those things to, to think about, okay, God, here at Cross Timber, what's our part in this place in the world in carrying out the big picture mission of the Great Commission? in the place where we are at Cross Timber Baptist Church with a little community of Cross Timber across the road with Briar Oaks just a little further down the road in the south part of Burleson, just northeast of Joshua, just a little way from Keene, in the north-central part of the state of Texas in the greatest state in the United States, in the North American hemisphere, What do we do start reaching out toward the ends of the earth? We looked at hope. We've talked about hope. And it really starts with hope. Offering hope to hurting people. Now whose hope is it? Well, it's the hope of Jesus. It's the hope that Jesus can satisfy to hurting people. The ones that he misses most. The ones who are the missing from the 99. The ones who have needs that only Jesus can meet. Just a small picture of what that looks like. It's men and women who are are trapped in, in addiction. Trapped in sexual sin. Families that are in turmoil. People that are desperate, people that are doing the best they can with what they have, where they are, trying to make it just to the next day. Broken people. Broken families. Broken relationships. That need good news. That need to be set free. That need mending. That need healing. That need hope. That need life. And then who are we? Oh, we're nothing apart from Jesus. If we've been transformed by the power of the Gospel, if we have been carried along by His grace and mercy, if we have received His hope, if there is Jesus in us, then we are the hope agents, messengers, ambassadors that God wants to use. That under the service of the Lord Jesus, that we're men and women that do our best where we are to love God with everything that we have and to love the people around us. People who have experienced, in part, what Jesus can do for us. Here's the good news we don't have to be experts, because we're probably not. But. God will use the experiences in our life, the places where He has brought freedom, the places where He is bringing healing, the places where we have gained hope, He will use those things to shine out His glory. We have to recognize in humility that we are maturing in Christ. We are not mature in Christ. There's always room for us to grow. And we also have to be honest with ourselves and realize that We're not perfect. Nobody else is perfect. But hopefully we're in the process. That as we yield to Him, as we respond with humility, as we fall on our faces before Him, that we are over time being transformed more and more by His love and His grace. And that we become convinced without a doubt that Jesus can do the same thing for everybody else. See, if we don't understand that Jesus has done so much for us and He's willing to do that for somebody else, then we will very likely not ever share our faith with someone else. But if you are convinced, if you are radically changed and you have the truth of God's Word in your heart that He wants to do the same for others, then that is the passion and the motivation that will give you a laser... Beam focus in everything that you do. You see, we focus on Jesus and we offer his hope to people that are hurting. Helps us to set our direction. Helps us to determine the things that we say yes to that fit our purpose, the things that we say no to that will divert us from that. And it allows us to outline our schedule to allocate our resources in a way that we are doing our part to advance God's kingdom. And it also helps us to see how we measure our success. See, when we have Jesus in focus, it's His priorities, it's His passion, and it's His power that set the focus of everything in our life. And when we get that focus nailed in, When we dial in the microscope, when we put the sights on the target, we realize hope. We verify our identity in Christ. We find our purpose. We know our target. We always remember that it's the right focus. The focus on Jesus that makes the difference. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let Jesus live through you. And then we step out and offer hope to hurting people. Filled with the love of God, changed by the love of God, and the compassion of Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We go forth and we share hope to people who need it. I don't really have action points. I've got just four questions that would maybe help you reflect on this as we prepare to, to listen to God, speak to our hearts. And ask Him how we should respond. And the first thing is just, are you focused on Jesus? It's where it starts. It's the relationship that He wants to have with us. As we look on Jesus, we find that He is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's full of love and mercy. Are we focused on Jesus? we given our lives and we committed him and say, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you, whatever that means. I'm going to make you Lord, the boss of my life. Or maybe you found that you've done that at some time, but you're, you're drifting in your focus and it's, it's about, you know, it's about yourself. It's about health. It's about family. And you need to just get back on target and say, Jesus, put my focus on you. And then second kind of a follow up. What changes do you? need to make right now? It's a question that that you and God alone can answer, but He is more than willing to respond. Jesus, what do I need to change right now? Maybe it's just one thing. Maybe it's several. But as you ask Him, will you be willing to take that first step today? And then as you look forward, what changes would you like to see Him make in your life? You know, maybe those changes are things that you need to stop doing. And maybe the changes you want to see Him do in the future are things you'd like to add to your life. So ask Him. Dream big and trust in Him to do that. And then four, lastly, how would you like to see God use you? Where would you like God to begin to work in your life? Trust in Him and ask. I'm going to close with this verse from Romans 15, verse 13, and then we'll pray. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. When we focus on Jesus, He brings everything into focus. And only when we abound in His hope can we offer that hope to others. Will you pray? Jesus, we love you. We are thankful for you. And we, um, without a doubt, acknowledge your presence here with us today. We're thankful that your word speaks to our hearts. That your spirit teaches us and guides us. And that for some reason, you've chosen to use the frailty of human words to convey that preaching. And so, Lord, my prayer is that through um, these words and through the imperfection that you would let us hear your perfect voice. Speak to our hearts. Help us to see what it means to put our faith in you, to trust in you, to place our eyes on you, to focus. Show us what we need to change right now if you willing to do it. Help us to dream big and and, and seek out what we would like to see you do in our lives. And Lord, we ask you to set our target. Show us how you'd like to use us. Individually, this week, even this afternoon, and help us to yield and to step forth in obedience and in faith. We thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. We're going to take a few moments. Jeff's going to play some music quietly just to reflect. It's your opportunity to talk to the Lord, maybe ponder these four questions, maybe just spend some time praying or quietly listening. Maybe today is the day i say saying, hey, it's time. I want you to come to me for life. Just turn away from sin, turn toward Jesus and put your Trust in Him. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to know that you need Jesus and He's willing. Maybe that change that you need to make is already on your heart and you want to confess that to the Lord and and ask Him to forgive you and to move forward. Or maybe you're looking forward to what you want Him to do and you're going to ask for that expectantly. Or maybe you're seeking out, what do I do next? Where's my mission? Pray that you would just ask God, Let him speak to you. So listen to the music. Let's listen to the Lord and respond. Lord, may You speak to our hearts and help us to hear Your voice and to respond and trust. I ask that in Jesus' name. I want to thank You for being here this morning. I want to remind you of a couple of things that we need to know about before I um, invite some special guests to come up for just a, a moment. The first thing um, is there, you may have noticed in the bulletin that we are still collecting our offering for the Mary Hill Davis offering for. Mission work here in Texas, and you can see that we're almost, well we have, we've just passed our goal. It's $2,000, we have $2,071, but there's still room for more. And just remember that, that all of that goes to, um, to mission work right here in the state, from north to south, from east to west. It's a wonderful way to invest in God's kingdom work here in our, our state. Also, just be planning ahead on October the fifteenth, which is still a couple of weeks away. We'll have a fellowship meal followed by a quarterly meeting, and so um, plan to bring your favorite dish and something to share to enjoy a fellowship lunch, and to also um, enjoy a time of business as we look to see what God is up to here across Ember.